dove into the into the world yeah. of publishing and and had my plan you know so that five years from now I'll see where I am you know I'm going to publish this, you know going to write and publish this many books per year uh, at that point I, I had a large backlist of stuff that I had written for myself so I thought okay I'll I'll edit and publish some of those I'll write three per year I knew I could do that because I was doing NaNoWriMo and Camp NaNoWriMo yeah. so I was writing three per year at that point JCB Art Studio. My name is Joanna and I'm actually recording episode 92. Yeah, I'm, I've decided that when I hit episode 100, I'm going to have a special cake. <laughs> if they can do it. Cake is good. <laughs> yeah. If they can do it for TV shows for their 200th episode, I'm doing it for my 100th episode for sure. Uh, for first time listeners, uh, as you can tell, this is my podcast, and I am the author of two novels, The Unraveling and Dealer's Child, and I am working on, I'm coming near the end of second rewrites for Spy Girl, which I'm, I'm slating for early next year. So one other thing before we, we get on to talking to our special guest today, I thought I'd give you everyone a little update on the Pepper Puppy Chronicles. Um, Pepper, our mini schnauzer, he is now walking. He doesn't need a harness leash anymore. He still squawks a bit like he's an Ewok, but we are now able to do regular walks. Yes. And I don't, I'm not having my ankles being bitten because he would launch himself in this little harness at my legs. Yeah. But he's a lot of fun. So today, she's an award-winning and USA Today best-selling author, and that is P.D. Workman, who's joining me on the podcast. Now, P.D. Workman, she was born in Fort McMurray, Alberta, and later moved to Calgary. She wrote her first novel, Length Fiction, at the age of 12, and she continued writing novels for her own enjoy enjoyment, but did not publish her debut novel until 2013. Now she has published over, I just asked her, over 80, yeah, not eight, 80, eight zero novels. Her earlier books focused on young adult literature, uh, but for the latter part, she has been writing mystery and suspense novels. She is best known for her cozy mystery series, Auntie Clem's Bakery, Reg Rollins' Psychic, Psychic Investigator, and her PI series, Zachary Goldman Mysteries. Okay, so today we're going to talk about Cutout Cookie. I've been reading it. It is book 17 in Auntie Clem's Bakery Mystery. And On the Slab Pie which is book 18, is scheduled for release this Friday, July 15th. PD, welcome. It's it's I'm looking forward to our discussion. Thank you. I'm excited to be here today. It's uh it's great to be able to be on your podcast and hear your hear your listeners, talk to your listeners. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. Well, yeah, I'm I've granted knowing 
the majority, I shouldn't say majority, where my listeners come from. But anyways, we'll, we'll get to that. So when I was coming up with these questions, I thought I could focus on, you know, uh, cut out cookie. Um, I could focus on on the slab pie, but there is so much more that is on your website that I, I also wanted to touch upon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, over 80 novels published, you're a prolific author. So let's just we'll, we'll, like your like cut out cookie and on the slab pie. We're just going to start with little pieces here. So let's start <laughs> yep. with knowing about your novels. And can you tell us what cut out cookie is about? Uh, so in cut out cookie, then uh, one of the characters who's uh, caused uh, mayhem and committed several murders in past books, uh, but has evaded capture is murdered. She shows up dead in the backyard of the main characters, Aaron and Vic. Um, And suspicion immediately falls to Vic's boyfriend, Willie. But there's also a lot of other people in the series who had reason to dislike her or want her dead. So uh, he's not the only suspect. Good, good. Okay, okay. Now, from that book, thinking about the one that's coming out on Friday. So on the slab pie, where does the reader pick up from? Like, I'm I'm always wondering, see, one of the things my editor will say to me is like she, you know, the unraveling and then with rewrites, she'll say, okay, so how far are we from like when I started with dealer's child, what's the timeframe? Are we from, the first book so so where's the time frame where when on the slab pie takes up from sure so um the action in cutout cookie takes place uh around easter and spring equinox so around uh march 21st and then on the slab pie is uh just before tennessee's statehood day which is june 1st so uh, roughly two months has passed uh between cutout cookie and on the slab pie okay cool Cool. Your heroine is very busy, right? <laughs> yeah, several murders a year, you know. <laughs> well, hey, if what was it um, Miss Fletcher in Cabot Cove, right? <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, can you talk to us about Erin, your heroine? Um, like, just, I'm always curious about how authors come up with their heroines. And so, what what is she like? Her strengths or weaknesses or uh, she's she's highly motivated by compassion for others. Um, a lot of the a lot of the choices that she makes that aren't the best choices, you know, that lead her into peril, or because she's trying to help somebody else out. Um, the reason that she opened her gluten free bakery was because she wanted to uh, serve an underserved population. Uh, one of her foster sisters was celiac and and eventually died from that and um she hates injustice she won't stand for bullying or intolerance that kind of thing so those are also themes that uh, run through the books in that series okay good good okay and we'll talk about the other series as well so uh what was the original um again this is another thing i'm always wondering about what was the original what if that got you on to that inspired you with writing on the slab pie? Now, this is the one that's coming out on Friday. Right. Yeah. So um, there, there were some interesting questions that I wanted to answer as I was planning this one out. Uh, one of them was, was what if Aaron's neighbor, an, an elderly widow Aaron has always assumed what if she's actually married and Aaron never knew it and there's actually a husband somewhere so that was one of the questions so uh, she's lived next to this lady for a couple of years now and you know maybe there's a secret there Uh, another one is you know as we were discussing she's been solving murders for a little while now and um, I kind of was going through the books and going 
how many people has she put in prison now? Because <laughs> even even if you figure one person per book, this is the 18th book. So there's now a little wing at the prison. That's just people that Aaron has put into prison. Aaron's wing. <laughs> Aaron's wing. So what if some of the people that she's put in prison were involved in a prison break? What if we brought some of those characters back? So did that. And then another question that had been kind of on my list of, of something that would be interesting to pull into a book was what if somebody changed their will to something totally unexpected the day before they died? Yeah. So those are kind of the three questions that uh, that, that book centers on. Okay, cool, cool. And do you find now I'm, I'm just I'm going off on a tangent when I was listening to what you were saying. Um, what I'm finding with mine, like these first three of them, the, the first, this first three, I am dealing with, um, human, well, not the very first one, but these last two human trafficking. And I I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I'm thinking about some of the other books in your series, but do you find sometimes it's like you're writing and it's almost like you're not done with a theme yet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I tend to write about a lot of social issues. Um, a couple of years ago at our When Words Collide uh, Authors and Readers Conference, then I did, uh, I did a panel on human trafficking, yeah. that. And when I went through... You know, I always have to bring up my list of books and go through them one at a time to to remind myself. But when I went through on that to look at different aspects of human trafficking that I had discussed in my books, yeah. there were, I think, seven books that I had addressed human okay. trafficking in and, you know, still had had. I'm still not done with that one. I've, I've brought it up a couple more times since then. So mm-hmm. I write a lot about, you know, addiction, foster care, indigenous issues, human trafficking, things like that. And and definitely those are themes that, that go through these books. Even when we're doing something light like the Cozy Mystery series, those yeah. things still come in for me. Yeah, because I'm finding with the third one, you know, I think every author has this where you're thinking in the back of your head. Like when I was working on it yesterday, I thought, I don't want, for me, I was thinking, I don't want people to think that book three is the same as book two, but I'm just not done with this theme with mm-hmm. human trafficking, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm yeah. just not done with it yet. Right? So, yeah, yeah. Okay. So since we're talking about series, I'm near the end of the second rewrites and then I'm going to take a little bit of a break and I have this idea for a totally different genre. Okay. Now you have multiple series and I was wondering, how do you know when you want to change to a different series? Um, Is it with respect to the story you have in mind or just you, you think of, um, Oh, I've got a totally different heroine I want to I want to write about and have a story with. Like how what makes you like I said, I'm going to a different genre, right? Mm-hmm. So what make you what makes you decide that? A lot of it is probably character centric. I, I really like uh, developing characters and, and having some interesting and unique characters. So a lot of it probably is based on that. Um, with the Auntie Clem's Bakery series then uh, one of her foster sisters shows up in book number six and um, she's this flamboyant con artist uh, you know pretending to be a psychic and and it's just she was such a wonderful character that I went okay she needs her own series like I, I can't stop writing about her but I can't keep writing her into Auntie Clem's bakery so she needs her own series um and i had uh some ideas some ideas in the bank on a paranormal series uh some plot lines and stuff that i had already been considering so yeah. i decided yeah i could adapt that to reg rollins and and so reg rollins psychic investigator was born yeah. and and brought her into her own series uh, and then also 
uh, I have another spinoff, and that is from the Zachary Goldman mystery series. Um, Zachary Goldman has uh, a girlfriend who is, works in the medical examiner's office, so she has helped him in the past with you know reading postmortem postmortem reports and helping to interpret stuff like that. And you know, it's one of the one of the few people that you know he can discuss bodies with over the dinner table and she doesn't care (laughs) you know they're they're great because they can talk about all that kind of stuff with each other and um and i was looking at uh getting together in a in a collaborative project with some other authors and they were looking for medical thrillers and i didn't have a medical thriller series yet but i had kenzie kirsch the girlfriend thought you know I'd, I'd like to do a pure medical thriller series with her. Yeah. Um, and at that point, when when we published our collaboration, I wanted uh, my medical thriller, whatever it happened to be, to lead into another series so that uh, readers had somewhere to go after they read it. But I didn't have time to write a whole medical thriller series yet. Yeah. Uh, so I made it Kenzie's... Um, origin story and so it leads both into the Zachary Goldman series and into her own series uh, which I started writing about a year after that so uh, it leads you into both points and and then there's some other projects that have just you know they've been prompted by collaborations with other authors or areas that I wanted to write in or, or that kind of thing I am in a, a bunch of different uh, subgenres for crime so. cool Okay, okay. Now, you and I have been on, I think, about two different panels. And um, I'm just thinking about listeners and readers. And for example, with my podcast, 48, literally, at one point, I had 48% of my listeners were American. And uh, 45, I hope I'm doing the math right. I'm just, I'm quickly doing the math in my head. 45 were Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, it was spread out between the UK and Australia. Ever since um, one of the panels we were on, it was uh, the last um, virtual mystery writers conference, the Maple Leaf Conference. Mm-hmm. It has now changed where it's now 45% Canadian, 45% American. And I have 3% UK, 2% Australia. And if there's anything left over in the math, it's just spread out. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I remember, I think on one of our panels, you had mentioned that you have a such a strong American uh, readership. Yeah. Um, and I was just wondering, how, like, how... How, how have you come to that? Is it where you're seeing, you know, your sales through Amazon or just feedback from your readers? Just for my own learning, that's... that's sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I have stats from a number of different platforms, uh, Amazon as well as others. Okay. Amazon is about 45% of my sales, but I'm also on you know, Kobo and Barnes and & Noble and Google and, yeah. and all of these other ones as well. And so my aggregated stats, uh, I looked at the sales for this year, Uh, so January through the middle of July, and uh, 70% of my sales are U.S. and 13% Canada, and of course the rest spread through uh, the rest of the world. Uh, It's not 100% accurate because not all of them uh, report those details back. And uh, some of them, like my my Kindle account, is a U.S. account. Okay. So any books any books that I buy through Kindle will show up as U.S. sales, even though I'm in Canada. Um, so it it depends on things like that too. Somebody can live in in India and still have uh, a U.S. Kindle account. Yeah. So it so it's not 100% accurate, but 70% U.S. and 13% Canada is as close as I can figure. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Now I've got another question and, and all my authors know I, I do, I do have questions. I send it to the author 
And sometimes we go off on little tangents. Sure. I was wondering, because this has just come up, I've seen a few authors post about this, and it's about ebooks and Amazon now allowing readers to return ebooks. And then the author, that sale is then taken away. You know, the, the, the reader is then reimbursed. Yeah. Well, and and not only do you lose that sale, but you also lose the delivery cost on that sale. So you actually lose more than you, you know, if it was a 99 cent book, you actually lose more than 99 cents on it. Yeah. And so I've been thinking to myself, Hmm. (laughs) Right. Do I offer, like, I haven't come to a decision yet. I'm just thinking about, like I said, for myself, do I offer ebooks through my own website? You know, and I was wondering, I was going to double check on your website, what you do before we had our podcast. Um, do you offer, because there's book funnel and um, do you offer ebooks through your own website? I do. Um, and for a number of years, I've, I've sold ebooks using PayPal and BookFunnel. Um, and I'm actually this year setting up so that I can do print books through uh, Shopify and Lulu Express. And um, Shopify will also do ebooks with BookFunnel. So I'm, I'm sort of in the process right now uh, of switching from PayPal to Shopify. Uh, for my ebook sales, but but I have offered ebook sales direct from the author, uh, maybe four four years now, something like that. Okay, okay, that's that's and really good. and readers. I don't think I've ever had a reader approach me and ask for a refund on a directly sold ebook. I don't yeah. I don't think I've ever had that. I have occasionally issued refunds on ebooks uh there was one a week or two ago where i can i can see the sales coming through and i noticed that uh that one lady had bought uh my two short stories that are part of the anti-clems bakery series and then had also brought had also bought the collection of books one through 15 but those two books are included as a bonus in that package Okay. So when I saw that she had bought them separately, then I emailed her back and I said, oh, you're already getting these in the package. So I'm going to refund you for those two books. You didn't need to buy them separately. So yeah. so I've done a few things like that when I've noticed that ooh, somebody accidentally purchased it twice or they yeah. purchased something that's also included in the package or something like that. But I've never had a reader come back on a direct sale and say, oh, you know, I got this and I didn't like it or, yeah. or whatever. I haven't ever had any returns like that. Yeah. 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 Good. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, like I, I'm, when I'm taking those dogs for a walk, I, I, this has been on my mind, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. That I, thank you. That's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Again, I've yeah. learned something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, and yeah. you know, your, your own platform is stable. You know, it's not going to disappear tomorrow. Um, you can get those people onto your onto your reader list. You have their names and, and information. You can get them into your list. Whereas what you sell through Amazon or the other stores is blind. We can we can look at what the geographical spread is and that kind of thing, but you really don't get to talk to them directly. Whereas if you're selling to them directly, you have that information. You can talk to them directly and, and interface yeah. that way. Well. And the thing I like with being able to sell through the website, I've, I think I've, I have sold, I remember I had one reader, she contacted my sister and said, does your sister, meaning me, sell through her own website? And I said, yeah. And I, I you know, so, you know, I, I sent her my website and I find if readers could purchase through an author's, their own website, you know, I like putting in a little note, you know, saying thank you, because it means so much to us, right? A sale, you know, and I, I would like to put in a note saying, thank you so much 
for, you know, support it for your support. Right. Or that's, I don't think you can get that on Amazon, you know, so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Now we, I said earlier, you are a prolific author. You release a novel once a month. Mm-hmm. And I'm so, um, I'm curious about that schedule. Um, for instance, like I think I mentioned earlier, I'm doing second rewrites. So I'm doing second rewrites. I'm going to take a short break. And it's during that short break. I will, I will say, I will grind out this first draft. Okay. Of this, yeah, par- yeah. Of this like futuristic parallel universe story. And then I'm going to go back and do more rewrites, you know? So it's, it's kind of a bit of a, I say like a revolving schedule because then I'll do another set of rewrites and then maybe I'll look at this other book. I just, you know, pumped out. So, um, or this first draft I pumped out. Do you have um, some sort of a revolving schedule along that line with respect to your own novels? Yeah, but you bet. Um, I, uh, my process is quite systemized. I, I tend to do the same thing uh, every day, week, and month. So, okay. which, which helps because then if somebody wants to uh, get together, I can say, "Oh, well, beginning of the month is not good. <laughs> okay. End of the month is better." So, I start on my new book on the first uh, the first day of the month each month. Yeah, oh, wow. uh, unless it's a Sunday, I write six days a week and and rest on Sunday. Yeah. And so the first of each month, then I start writing the new book. And depending on how long the book is predicted to be, yeah. uh, then my daily quote is either 5,000 or 6,000 words per day. And so I write that many words per day, six days a week. And that generally will mean that I'm finishing about the 19th of the month. Yeah. Uh, then I go into my immediate first rewrite, you know, go through and deal with any notes or questions that that I made to myself while I was writing the first draft and do a a continuity edit and a spell check and all that kind of thing and um, and then that one goes away for 30 days I do not look at it again for 30 days unless of course I'm writing the next book in the series and have to double check a fact but you know I don't edit it again for 30 days so then when it comes back the next month then then I'm looking at it with fresh eyes and it's a lot easier to to spot if there happens to be a plot hole or an inconsistency or or that kind of thing um and so I'll do the first I'll do the first edit of that one. Then I'll be doing the second edit of last month's book because it's now been up for 30 days. Yeah. Uh, and then usually I have uh, two or three others that I want to look at, either doing you know a certain section or, or a full edit or whatever, just whatever that book, that particular book needs. I usually have two or three others that I'll then work through as well. Um, and I'll have one that's going to my editor. So that one will be getting a final polish and read through and and spell check and everything just to make sure it's as good as I can make it before it goes to him um and then my editor will usually be getting usually he finishes editing my my next book to be published uh the last Monday of the month so I'll usually get that back go through that you know accept his changes that kind of thing and get it out to my arc readers uh that that last either the last week of the month or the first week of the next month. And so then while I'm doing those edits, you know, from the 19th to the 30th, then I also am planning for my next book in the, the next book that I'm writing next month. So then I just start going through my process for that one. Then it hits the first of the month and I start writing that one. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so it usually takes, it's usually about six to nine months between first draft, well, first word on the paper uh, until it's published. So that basically means that I'll have, you know, nine books in draft while yeah. I'm working on other stuff. So just go from one to the next and, okay. and edit through them. Usually by the time I, I had uh, a presentation I was doing for a school class and one of the questions that they asked me was, how many times do you edit a book? 
Yeah. And so I, I kind of went through and counted and it, it's about six to seven edits that I do yeah. before it's published. Yeah. Interesting. Gosh, that is interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, and what I'm finding when you said making notes while you're writing, this is a, a tip I picked up through um, like Nano, Remo, you know, the mm-hmm. write-ins. And it was one lady said she just puts X, Y, Z or X, Y, Z, you know, yeah. if she has a question, cause she doesn't want to stop. And then sometimes it's, if you're, you have a quick research question, you can find it on Google. That's fine. It doesn't stop that flow of writing, mm-hmm. but if there's something, you know, you know, this, you know, but just some, I find if there's something I know that's going to take more time in terms of research, I'll just do that X, Y, Z. And then yeah. At the end, you know, I'll just, I'll search for all those X, Y, Zs, right? And I think I know in one spot, my heroine's wearing a t-shirt and later on I said, she's wiping her eyes with the sleeve of her, her, her shirt. And I'm like thinking, okay, you got to fix that. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. You know? Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I do the same thing if I've got, you know, a, a question, is there a in, inconsistency here in my manuscript I have to go back and check or I have to check back to a previous book or I have to look up a fact or, or that kind of thing and you know fill this in later or or just can't think of the darn word that I want right now but I know when I read through it the word will come to me or you know all of those different things just make a, a really quick note with whatever your whatever your search code is yeah. um, so then you can mine it mine is 999 Okay. And so, so I, it used to be slash slash, but then you end up finding if you have web links in it, they pop up. But, um, and then my, um, my editor knows that if he ever comes across a 999, that he got to kick it back to me and say, you didn't answer one of your questions. Yeah. Because that has happened from time to time. Or even, you know, this paragraph needs to be specially formatted. You know, when I go to the final thing, it needs to be inset or, or whatever. Yeah you know, I'll mark those off as well. So yeah, I do the same thing. And then, then you're not uh, losing the flow of your writing. If you're doing a writing sprint, you can just, you know, keep going through it, come back to this later and deal with it then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. So who, who were your writing influences? I, I always have such a hard time with this one. Yeah. But I, you know, go back and, and look at who some of my uh, favorite authors are and have been that have, you know, kind of fed into my love for these different genres. Um, for my young adult writing, definitely uh, Essie Hinton. She's the author of The Outsider, Tex, Rumblefish, uh, a bunch of uh, young adult fiction there. One of the one of the creators of the genre, really. And she was only uh, either 15 or 16 when she wrote The Outsiders. Uh, and it was, and it and it spoke to stuff that she was experiencing at the time uh, with two different uh, gang factions in her school. Wow. And so, so that was written when she was 15 or 16. I was also a very young writer um, yeah. and, and started my young adult fiction, you know, when I was 12. And so she definitely was one of my influencers. Uh, there was another young adult author named Jay Bennett, uh, who's not very well known, but I discovered his stuff and just, you know, loved his stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, mystery and suspense has always been one of my big loves. You know, my mom gave me my first Agatha Christie to read. Oh, it was maybe 10 nine or 10 somewhere in there you know and and so she was Agatha Christie was my first uh adult read my yeah. first grown-up novel uh at 10. And, and, <laughs> at, yeah, well, it was somewhere around there around there it might have been a bit younger but anyway yeah. it was around there um so she was one of the first ones and also uh Mary Hickens Clark yeah um so so one of the first one of the other first adult books that I read was uh, um, The Cradle Will Fall by Mary Higgins Clark. And it's a very dark one where they're, they're you know, creating babies by 
insemination and then stealing them. And anyway, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it's quite a nightmarish one, even for Mary, for Mary Higgins Clark. But, but I just, I, I loved it. So she's a big influence on me. Uh, Dick Francis, I, yeah. I don't know if you know him, but yeah. horse racing detectives, that kind of thing. He's great. Lillian Jackson Braun, who's the Cat Who series, uh, and, and Janet Ivanovich. You know, they're all very different, but um, but I, I get something out of each of them. You know, they, they resonate with me for one reason or another and and influence my writing, too. And um, yeah. and Jim but Jim Butcher for Paranormal Suspense. You know, he's just so much fun. Yeah. And and I've had uh, a great time writing my Reg Rollins series. And whenever I think that something I'm writing is too bizarre or weird, I just look at Jim Butcher and say, no, it's not. <laughs> is just fine they're gonna love this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay because i know with me yeah dick francis you know i remember being a teenager and oh yeah i i was just at the market uh Shemanus, where i live on vancouver island they had their huge market last saturday and uh it was it was great you know i sold some books and it was neat to talk to, just talk to people, talk to people about books and finding, you know, common, common uh, authors who you, we both used to read, right? Because this one lady stopped by and, uh, you know, I said, yes, I, I you know, read Agatha Christie, not all Agatha, like, God, I, you know, I read some Agatha Christie, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I can honestly say, I think I read every Dick Francis book, you know, because I, at least twice, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's just like you said, um, it was horse racing, you know, and, and I know near, near the end, some of, uh, some of them, like, I think the very first Dick Francis books, it was horse racing at the race course, you know, that was his, his location. And some of the ones near the end, it was still horse racing, but it didn't necessarily be at the tracks sort of thing right right, right. It, was, it was yeah it was so, part of the culture but not necessarily right there at the at the races yeah. yeah 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 so that that was really cool that was really good okay so you had mentioned to me what's the number it's what 86 86 yeah the book coming out yeah, Friday. This next one is 86 yeah wow okay so I hope you have a cake when you hit 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking I better do that. That'll, you know, I'll hit that next year. So I'll have to make sure that I oh, have a cake. <laughs> have a cake. Yeah. So what are, like, I was just thinking about, you know, the number of books you've written. And, and then it started, I asked myself even the question, what is my goal with writing? So what are your goals with your writing? Um like I said, I even asked myself this question when I was putting these questions together. And so I don't even know if I have an answer yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, and, any, it's, and it's many faceted too. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, clearly I, I started writing before I had any interest in publishing. Yeah. I, you know, I wrote because it was inside of me and it had to come out, you know, yeah. I, I loved to read and I, suddenly discovered that that you can create these worlds too and and just revel in them and write whatever you want in them and and mm -hmm. so you know I had a really early love for reading and writing um my my mom kept some of my writing from school and that kind of thing so I can I can look back and see some of the really really early stories that I wrote and even even before I could physically write, you know, she's got all of these little cardboard books that I stapled together and scribbled on them. I couldn't draw, I couldn't write, but I was making books before I could do any of those things. So, so that was something that I always wanted to do. And, you know, and for those first decades, I just wrote for my own entertainment, just because I loved to create and because I would, I would get these feelings, yeah. you know, and, and there was no way to describe them 
or to get them out except by writing a story. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that was very much why I wrote. So then, oh, tw- you know, around 2012, May 2012, 2013, then um, the, the lawyer that I work with uh, saying, okay, my five-year plan is to retire by such and such. And so I, I had a heads up at that point. Okay, in five years, I may be changing careers. Yeah. And do I need, do I want to continue as a legal assistant? Do I want to train in something else? You know, if I do that now, then I'll be ready when that comes. And, and then one of the things that came up, you know, I, I had written a couple of books that I that I had never thought before. Oh, I really want to publish this. I really want to get this out into the world. But then I had written a couple of books lately that I thought, you know, I really want to share this. I bet people would really like this. And uh, and so I'd had that feeling. And then my boss was retiring. I thought, well, it's better if I start publishing now. Mm-hmm and see where I am in five years than if I wait until the day he retires and then put something up on Amazon and have no idea, you know, at at that point I have no income. I have no idea if I need, if I need a full-time job, a part-time job, you know, what I can do. So I thought, okay, so I'm going to start publishing. And so at that point drove in, dove into the, into the world of publishing and, and, had my plan, you know, so that five years from now, I'll see where I am. You know, I'm going to publish, this, you know, going to write and publish this many books per year. Uh, at that point, I, I had a large backlist of stuff that I had written for myself. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll edit and publish some of those. I'll write three per year. I knew I could do that because I was doing NaNoWriMo and Camp NaNoWriMo. Yeah. So I was writing three per year at that point. And so I thought, you know, I'll publish six books per year for five years and I'll see where I am, whether it's something that I can make a living at or whether I need a part time job or a full time job or what I need. Yeah. And uh, it actually took about seven years before I was to the point where I could do it full time. And my and um, and I'm still working with the same lawyer a few hours a week, like seven hours a week kind of thing. And, uh, and he officially has retired from law a year ago now. And he's writing some books and I'm, I'm helping him through the publishing process. So yeah. we've published two of his so far. He's got one at the editor now and, and another one coming up as well. So with him, we've, we've switched tracks where, you know, in, instead of, you know, he's still the boss, but I'm the one that knows the I'm the one that knows the system and, and all of the ins and outs. So he gives me the stuff or I'll say, oh, you know, we should market it this way or we should, you know, we should try this or that. And, and he just decided he wanted a, a storefront on his website last week. So we've got yeah. a storefront up on his website now and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's been it, it was quite a process, but it, it has gone from, you know, love of making books to reading and writing and, and to just doing it for myself and then deciding to take it out into the world and seeing if I could make a living out of it. So it's, yeah. it's been quite a process. That's and, awesome. And it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as where, where I'm going next, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm continuing with what I'm doing. I don't have yeah. any plans to either slow down or ramp up. Uh, yeah. it's, I've, I've got a good pace going, so I'm going to keep doing that. Although I am doing more pushing with, you know, trying to do better at, at marketing and, and get some more audiobooks and translations and that kind of thing out. And I've got one character that I'm thinking thinking might uh, start her own series, uh, Micah in Virtually Harmless. Um, that's a multi it's a book that I wrote for a multi-author series, but I'd like to take her out into into her own series as well. So I may uh, I may take Micah out as well. I've actually got nine series right now, so I, that would take me up to ten. <laughs> wow! Oh wow! Gosh! Cool. That's really so, cool. So that would take me to ten 
to 10 series. Next year will be my 10th anniversary and I should publish my 100th book. So I've got all, maybe I could make those all happen at the same time. <laughs> and you need a big cake. A big cake. <laughs> you need a big cake. 10 layers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a 10 layer cake. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, God, that's cool. You know, we just, I'm just, I'm listening to like how you projected and years and that that's cool that's that's just it, it I, I always get that's why I love not getting the answers to questions you know because it, it's neat for me it's neat for me to hear and listen um I, I know the big thing for me right now is uh with this third book I thought that would be the end of this series but then there's this other character that's come along and I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's more books in this series yet. Right. With this other character. And then I, I'm just about done my reading for my podcast and then I'm having a break and I'm just reading books and not thinking geared for questions. Right. And I've picked up a few um, just uh, women's fiction. So there's not even mystery and it, mm-hmm made me it kind of I have been so focused on mystery suspense thriller I look at what I've read you know as a teenager I have this parallel universe one I'm excited to start but I'm also thinking about women's fiction you know like just women's fiction and it's there's just so much out there we could possibly Mm -hmm. write yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and it just like you said, I remember handwriting stories. You know, I think it was a grade yeah. seven, and doing the covers, right? And you just yeah. before I knew, because I was a legal assistant, just retired in January, and my mom had a manual typewriter, and I would just look at it and go with you know two through whatever how many fingers yep. I but I did not know how to type then right yeah and um that was a game changer hey being able to use oh a, yeah yeah I had my typewriter <laughs> yeah my my dad had an IBM Selectric that he used for typing manuals for like typing textbooks for his students at school and and my and my mom had these drawing templates to draw the diagram engineering diagrams that he needed in those and then they would copy them off so we had this IBM Selectric typewriter, and I remember typing up my stories about a rabbit on on that typewriter. And then, you know, my dad was into computers, so we had we had this this great big handy computer that used twelve inch floppy disks, oh, and and you know, and and saving you know writing stuff on there and saving it and and making the little pixel pictures for my covers and, oh yeah that was yeah good times <laughs> yeah you bet and, and I hand wrote stuff and I had a manual typewriter and I got my own electric yeah. typewriter later that were it would type a line at a time so you actually so you had you could actually backspace and correct stuff without <laughs> without wow. the correction tape and then it would just type a line at a time and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So now on your website, it says you're a technology geek with a love for all kinds of gadgets and tools to make my writing and work easier and more fun. Can you elaborate on any tools or gadgets that you find may be a good aid? I remember um, I've had. Tony Olivier, he was on and he uses a program and I cannot remember, uh, it may be Scribner, it may be Scribner, mm-hmm. I can't remember, where, you know, it's, it's, it's different fields and pop-ups on your screen. Do you use anything like that or? Uh, I, I used Scribner for seven years. So yeah. I, I used it right from version one, it's, it's version three point something now. Uh, and and actually switched from Windows to Mac because it was Mac that Scrivener was de- developed for. 
There was a Windows version, but it was lagging several years behind the Mac version. So that's actually the point at which I switched over to using a Mac instead of Windows and and used that for about seven years. Uh, was quite an expert on that, but I've, act, I've, I've ended up moving away from Scrivener uh, the last couple of years. I've been using um, Markdown editors, which is a, a type of plain text uh, editing. And I'm using, um, right now, the Markdown editor I'm using is, is Obsidian. And you can have, you know, documents that link to each other, like a wiki, a wiki format. Um, and I have, you know, fields and information embedded in each chapter. You know, each chapter has uh, a heading that says, you know, who, who the characters in the scene are, where it is, what day it is, um, in some of them, what point of view it is, if you've got multiple points of view. And then I can I can query that information and it brings it up in a table uh, if I'm looking for particular scenes or that kind of thing. Um, and and you use different uh, you use different markings to add the formatting in when you actually do the compile at the end. Yeah. So uh, you know use using asterisks to make italics or using the, the hash mark to make a heading or, or that kind of thing. So it, it uses plain text, which means that that it's portable across any platform. Um, I can I can go through and edit a plain text document on on any computer, phone, tablet, whatever, oh, wow. uh, w- without any loss of of information. And so I've been using that for a while. I've done I've written probably 30 books in markdown been using obsidian for just over just over a year i think before that i was using one called notebooks but um you know it's it's a very lean format they're small files because it's just plain text yeah. uh, so you don't you don't run into the corruption that you can run into with with long form text on other platforms and and you can edit them anywhere. It's future proofed. Ten years from now, you'll still be able to go back and edit a text document. Oh, wow. Right. So yeah. okay. Okay. That's the one I'm using right now. And I can do all kinds of fancy stuff in Obsidian. Okay. <laughs> it okay. it has community plugins where you can you, you you could spend years just exploring all of the I think they're up to eight hundred different plugins right now. So Jeez. you can do you can do all kinds of things in Obsidian. But anyway, but I do but it's also fairly like I I have some plugins that I use, um, but it's fairly distraction free where I can I can just say, you know, I can open up the text document and just work on the text and not be distracted by all of the other stuff. Then later I can use the, the plugins if I want to query stuff or or when I want to compile it into a, a docx or, or that kind of thing. So wow. Okay. It's fun. Okay. It's, it's geeky. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So before we wrap things up, I have to I want to ask your award winning book. Okay. So first, can you tell us about the Margins Committee Top 10 Books for Teens, which your novel, Ruby Between the Cracks, was nominated and won? And, and I, have, I actually have a number of awards from the yeah. In the Margins Committee. Uh, it was originally part of a school library journal, but it has since broken off into its own little uh, organization. And uh, so I had a, a librarian who nominated uh, Ruby Between the Cracks. This was just like Ruby was, I think, the second book that I published. So I mean, it was right near the beginning of, of my writing career. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, that placed uh, in the top 10. Uh, it's they, they look for small press and independently published authors who are writing about marginalized youth. So youth who are in foster care and incarcerated in, in juvenile detention, uh, street kids, um, all of that kind of thing. And a, and a lot of my books center around those issues. Uh, they're judged by teens. So they're, they're generally nominated by 
librarians in these facilities and uh, and then you send copies of your book out to about 10 different uh, about 10 different libraries and and the kids read them and judge them so they're judged by the teens at these facilities and and they decide uh, which ones they like uh, so Ruby was the first one I had nominated and placed in the in the top 10 books for teens uh, and that was also it's also featured by I can't even remember what it was now. There, there was a um, there, there was a like a, a TV show that yeah. kind of reviewed them as well. I can't even remember what it was now. Yeah. Um, so Ruby won top ten. Um, Tattooed teardrops, I think, was the next one that won, uh, and it won the top fiction award. So it was their number one placement for Tattooed teardrops. Um, several others, most of the books in the Between the Cracks series uh, were nominated, and I think four out of six of them placed on their award lists. Uh, and then Tattooed Teardrops and, oh, and Jim, Jim himself alone also won one. One year I got one of the Between the Cracks books and Jim both placed on their on their recommended reading list. So I was the, the only author that ever ended up with two books that won the yeah. same year. And they flagged me as, oh, you know, this is one of our favorite authors. People are, our kids are always asking for her books. So that, that was is, really cool. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So now I used to work at the prosecutor's office as a legal assistant and then I worked for the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner because I, I it, you know, I was looking at some of the issues you dealt with. And I, part of me is thinking, I wonder if she worked in criminal justice. OK, <laughs> so can you elaborate on some of the issues? For example, let's take Ruby Between the Cracks that you deal with with this series. Yeah, so Ruby focuses a lot on, on homelessness and poverty gang life and street life, um, addiction, pregnancy, yeah. uh, dysfunctional families, and sexual abuse. So that that series, the Between the Cracks series, uh, follows each of the siblings in the family and, and kind of how they reacted, what their story is after, after the stuff that happened uh, in their family where they had parents who were very abusive. And, and so each of the books follows a different one of the siblings, or, or in one case, two of the siblings who were twins. So, okay, and it covers a lot, of, you know, a lot of stuff about um, sexual and physical abuse, and and just where their lives had to go after that. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Just yeah, I don't want to say the word recovery. I don't want to say the word recovery, but overcoming. Um, issues in your past and having to deal with those issues mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, moving yeah. forward right and, and, and yeah okay okay yeah and and each of them had their own path you know some of them were able to uh, I, each of them was able to turn themselves around I actually had originally there were three books in the series we want more we want more we want more we want to know what happened to this person or, yeah. or that person because some of them kind of drop out of the scene in yeah. the first three books and you just don't know whatever happened to them so they wanted more and and so i wrote um and so i wrote the fourth one and went okay well i've written about four out of five of the siblings now i, I really have to write the last one's story as well so yeah. so then after writing chloe and four then i immediately wrote uh number five as well and then after that it was you know, it was a couple of years before I wrote the sixth one and I had I had readers come back and say, you know, we need you to write more. We need another book in this series. So, well, you know, I don't know what it what it would be because I've already addressed each person's story. Yeah. And they came back and said, you need to write about June because yeah. she doesn't have a happy ending. We need to know yeah. that she has a happy ending and that she has some way to go on with her life. Yeah. And I said, okay, 
I need to write about June. <laughs> so the so the last book in that series is is June into the light. And so she was dealt with in book number two, which is June and Justin, but the readers needed more. They needed that resolution and to know that June was okay. Yes. And and so each of each of the siblings does manage some level of, of recovery where they're able to leave behind the, the horrific things that they've gone through and kind of find their place in the world. Yeah. And that has got to be the best compliment an author can receive when readers say, we need to find out about this character. Right? Yeah. You, you yeah. need to write about her. <laughs> you know, and you're yeah. like, Okay. This is this is what we need, you know. Our hearts are our hearts are broken. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Oh, that is that is great. Okay. So what's I want to ask what's next for UPD, but um I have a feeling that you're probably juggling four books right at the moment. So so what is next for you? <laughs> so so um this month uh, on the slab pie comes out, which is number 18 in the Antiquems Bakery series. My next release in August um, is Fail, which is book number six in my Medical Kidnap Files series, which is my only active young adult series right now. So I, I reward myself and let myself uh, write in that series now and then. Um, and then the next three books that come out are in the Zachary Goldman series. And what I'm writing right now is book number six in the in the spinoff from the Zachary Goldman series. So the Kenzie Kirsch medical yeah. thrillers, I'm working on six right now. Uh, after I write six and seven, then I'm going to be switching over to my Parks Pat mysteries series. Oh. Um, uh, Parks Pat is uh, my only series that's set in Canada. Okay. So it, it's set in Calgary Parks. So it, it's murders that take place in, in Calgary Parks. And so I get to go out to the scene and take pictures and figure out good places for a body dump or how somebody died here, this kind of thing. We try to be careful that people aren't walking too close to us while we're discussing <laughs> these things. Oh, this would be a good place to dump a body. Oh, <laughs> <my> <laughs> Although I have talked to several police officers already, so they would know who I was. But anyway, so there's there's six books out in that series right now. Uh, the main character uh, is a single mom of a teenager. Uh, she's Métis, and, uh, and she has a, a grandfather who lives here in Calgary as well. She's moved here from Winnipeg, which is where she grew up. And and so yeah, it's, it's set in in my neighborhood and in my parks, and and I, it's fun to go out and scout scenes for that. Um, I've scouted two out of three for for the book seven, eight, and nine, uh, so I've got one more park to scope out before I can write those ones. Uh, and those are novellas; they're shorter reads. So if you're looking for something quick to read over your lunch hour or that kind of thing, then then those are great ones to pick up. Um, and then after that, I'll be working in the Anti-Clems Bakery series again, and that will take me to the end of this year. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. And you made me laugh because I remember uh, my, my spouse, he took me on a tour. Uh, they knew grocery store that was opening. And, he, you know, it was before opening day, he worked, works there. He says, yeah, look, we've got this, we've got this. And he goes, and you come down this hallway and look, look at the, the, the meat cooler, right? And he opens this, this massive door, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I look, the ideas it. are going. <laughs> I look in this room that's so cold because it's, it's like a freezer. It is a freezer. Yeah, yeah. And oh my God, you know where I'm going. And I just, <laughs> I looked and I thought, I didn't say it, but I thought, you can hide a body in here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But, okay. Well, Petey. One of my my books in the uh, Anti-Clems Bakery series is Cold as Ice Cream, and and there is a freezer in that one. (laughs) Oh, wow, wow. This has been really enjoyable. I'm really, like like I said, we've been on different panels, and... um, 
it, we've never had the chance to just really talk, you know, just Mm -hmm. one-on-one about focusing on your work. Right. So what is your website? So people can find you. You bet. So my website is pdworkman.com. Yeah. And uh, on social media, then my handle on most social media is pdworkmanauthor. Okay. So on Twitter and Facebook and a bunch of those other ones, that's where you can find me. Yeah. And I include all this in the show notes at the end. So, all right. Well, I know I am interfering with your writing schedule, so I will let you go. (laughs) And uh, the the dogs are all quiet, so I am going to do some writing. And uh, that's good. Have a good day. All right, you too. Thanks so much for the interview. Okay. Okay, Petey. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.